shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 37 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. My name is Andrew. My name is Dan. We have a lot going on, Dan, but... We really are just going to, we have, first of all, we have guests and we will introduce our guests in a moment, but we're not even going to get to classroom updates because today's conversation is just all over the news. So we're going to be uh, discussing chat GPT and how it is everywhere. But before we get to that, let's introduce, you may have heard these individuals before. And the last time there were some sound effects in the background that we were able to talk to them, but we're actually joined at the table live, not uh, not virtually, not on a phone call. We have uh, the director of tech, Art. What's going on, everybody? Live from the office today. Yeah, live from the office. There you go. And our good friend, the misfit educator that you may remember, John Redeker. John, welcome again. Hey, guys. Good to be back over the river with you. Let's let's just dive right into it. We all know that we've seen since it got released in, in December, which was right after the NiceGate conference, ChatGPT. And how are we going to look at this and how it's going to affect education overall, just the landscape of it throughout the rest of this year. And I know we're all having a lot of conversations and it'll be good to have uh, John's opinion on what he's hearing in, in his circles. But how do you see it envisioning? Because the big thing that we're talking about is, oh, you got to block it. And there's people like, why would you block something like this? And what are you? Go- what, what's blocking going to do? And we have seen so many articles come out. We've seen how it passed the the test, right, for the Wharton School of Business with a, a B minus. Is that correct? I think it was a B minus. Better than I would do. Yeah, <laughs> I agree, John. <laughs> and then the other one I just saw was the freelance writer where it wrote their article in 30 seconds for 600 bucks. Did you see that article too? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's incredible. Let's talk. Go ahead, John, give us your thoughts. Yeah, I actually just was pulling this up, this tweet by uh, Chris Lehman. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but I had first uh, heard of him at the NiceGate conference years ago. He tweeted a couple days ago, actually about two weeks ago now, he said, any educator who is saying chat GPT won't affect my classroom better be humble real quickly. As a friend said, this is like when my AP called me to his, in his office and asked, have you seen, seen this thing called Google? It's going <laughs> to change the way we think about writing forever. And I think that's really true. Um, and I've seen a lot of posts and stuff, a lot of blogs, a lot of people talking, even on the news about how, well, you know, we used to not have calculators and we thought that the calculator would change how we do math for the worse and that kind of thing. But I think that's just such a oversimplified step. Agreed. This is such a powerful tool that we can't even understand and fully fathom the, the lengths and the depths it's already at. Forget about where it's going. So it's an important conversation to, to keep up with. And the problem is we're going to be always reactive and not proactive. Uh, even even as far as the the developers are concerned, I mean, this thing's taken a mind of its own in, in many ways. I just uh, heard this morning that they're releasing the fourth version of ChatGPT. We're on version three right now, and this is just exponential growth, you know, from when it was released in December. So uh, things are going to be changing so rapidly. It's it's too easy to simplify it down to say, oh, it's just like other things we've had as as technology revolutions. But um, you know, we all know how time flies. But it's um, it's like sometimes. This is like the sense of a year happened in, in, since December as far as technology is concerned. It's not just like time's going slowly. It's going so fast we can't even keep up right now with this revolution. So it's important to get ahead of, and I have some thoughts about how we can use this in the classroom or not, um, and maybe we'll unpack some of those. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, definitely going to unpack those. Art, what do you see from, from your perspective with ChatGPT? Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I, we've all been following it 
I have a long ride in every morning. I'm listening to NPR like literally every day. It's a new conversation with NPR talking about chat GPT. The thing that interests me most about this is the creators of it have created an open AI um, source right. code. They are putting this out to the public to say, this is how we did it. This is what it is. Have at it. Use it. So, yeah, we're talking about it a lot right now in terms of writing and test taking and stuff like that. There's other things that are going on probably in the background that we haven't even seen yet because other industries are now looking at this code to also figure it out. It's amazing how quickly it's moving. Um, like John said, like a year's worth of technology. I'd probably say 10 years worth of tech mm-hmm. has occurred now in the past, not even 30 days. What's say the 26th? I mean, we're like three weeks into this. It's amazing how fast it's moving. Um, it's going to have implications, both positive and negative. Right now, it's just really working on treading lightly, understanding it, and trying to find the best course of action uh, going forward for us. I think it's interesting, too, uh, that they're not the only player in the game. Nope. And so we're going to use ChatGPT sort of very specifically because it's first in the game. But also Sparrow by DeepMind was acquired by Google a few years ago. And so they're not only going to be using, you know, where ChatGPT loads up, uh, whatever it says, like 16 million websites or something were like downloaded into ChatGPT is, well, that's not actually on the internet. So they're not actually right. searching for new information. It's actually two years old now. Anything in ChatGPT is only from 2021 or or, for, or, beyond, or, or older. So anything new, if there's new AIs being released that can actually actively search new information on the web currently, that's a game changer too. And where it's different in some of these platforms that ChatGPT is... Um, open source, like Art said, and uh, really user-driven. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can give it feedback and help it train itself. But with Google and the Sparrow pr- platform that's about to be released, if that's Google developers and other people controlling that information, plus live on the web, that's a whole different conversation too. So we're going to see some animals emerge here in a whole different ecosystem. Right, right. You know, one of the things that, you know, w- that this is – you know, coming around so quickly and constantly going to be just changing and changing and changing. You know, we talk about how we can use it in the classroom or how it's going to affect. The thing is, we don't know. And I think we need to remember that and move beyond the knee-jerk reaction of how this is disrupting my traditional ways, um, because it is, and that conversation needs to happen. But we need to continue the conversation um, amongst educators, amongst people, of how do we evolve as this is evolving as well you know, to keep that conversation going um, and really have it part of our instruction to some degree or another because there's no way that we're going to be able to avoid it. And not that I think there should be ways of trying to find out how to avoid it because then you're just going to be fighting a battle every day of trying to put an end to something and it's constantly going to be moving past that. So I think we really need to talk about instruction assessment, process, skills, um, and how we can really change the dynamics of the classroom to move into this evolving technology. Yeah, think about, you know, the avoidance of people who want to avoid cell phones in classrooms. Yeah, right. It's like a huge battle. And why are we fighting that? Like, these are supercomputers in kids' pockets. Like, let's learn that, learn to use them well. Same thing with chat GPT or other AI. Like, let's learn to use it in a way that makes sense and can help coach kids through it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, in my opinion, looking at this from a 10,000-foot lens for school districts around the country, around the world, is that public school systems are bureaucratic institutions that that take time for the rudder to move the ship. 
And so if we're talking about policy or implementation of plans, um, it's going to take innovative teachers to really take a look at this and be on the forefront, maybe do some roundtabling, some conversations, and to do some upfront learning and say, hey, we need to move forward in these ways, and this is why, instead of just waiting for parents or public policy to start changing some of these things. Because again, you're right, use the word knee-jerk, and I think it's easy to just quickly react in in a way that may not make full sense. Maybe make some sense and we need to make a compromise, but we can talk about how that looks if we if we're smart about that process. Yeah, I mean if you look at social media fifteen years ago, there was a there was a point in school districts where we shut down social media. Teachers were not to have social media accounts. There was news stories around the country where teachers lost jobs with social media. I mean what that's a bit more of an extreme here. That was a knee jerk reaction to social media. We we cannot let this get involved in right. our schools. We cannot be involved in this whatsoever. Now it's like, what do you mean you're not posting what your classroom is doing to Twitter today? Like, that is where we go to see what, you know, our kids are doing in the classroom. It's how we self-promote our activities and stuff like that. This is going to evolve. Like, look at what just happened over the past three weeks with AI. What's it going to look like by the end of the school year? Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, it's nuts. Like, it's one of those things I'm like patiently watching and waiting because... This is only the beginning. Are you not going to like talk about your MySpace page anymore because you referenced 15 years ago and Tom was your friend? I think it's still in the top <laughs> six. Am I still in the top six? <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, you talk about, but you look at yeah. how much social media is, has evolved. And like we said, knee-jerk reaction and everything like that. Blocking it, all it is is a Band-Aid. And the students are going to rip it off, let's be honest. That's really what it comes down to. Because you could block it on your filters internally. What's going to happen when they're either A, on their supercomputer in their pocket, or B, at home where they have their own you know, their own access? Yeah, we're, we're only blocking one avenue where these students... And these students have multiple avenues. Like yeah. We're not the sole source of technology or information for these kids. And, and for most of these kids now, never in their lives have we been the sole source. Right. You know, they've had access. They go home. They pull that phone out. They have access around us. The thing is, how do we work with them within our environment? I listened to a great podcast. This came out right before Christmas, right as ChatGPT kind of came out. This was uh, December 19th um, episode of The Problem with Jon Stewart. I'm not an Apple Plus subscriber, but uh, he has got that TV show. But he interviewed Mark Cuban and Maria Ressa and Julia Laffey, and, uh, or uh, Yaffe, I'm not sure how to say her name, but they talked about how in the social media revolution, since we talked about that, how we kind of learned some bad lessons and it took a long time, you know, Mm -hmm. on social media, it took Mm -hmm. a long time to really realize like, wait a minute, we have a lot of data in the meta platform. We have a lot of, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, now we have one person controlling Twitter, you know, like this is global was supposed to be a democratizing thing. And now, you know, Mr. Musk is out there controlling all this information. And, um, we're behind the eight ball on that one. Yeah. And so his, they have a great conversation in there, Mark Cuban, especially on this. He, you know, he made, he's a Dallas Mavericks owner, but he made a lot of money in tech. That's how we bought that team in the dot-com boom. And so he's aware and very alert and, and talks about how we need to be ahead of this conversation. And, and yes, we'll still be reactive, but we need to be more proactive in our response and how we do that. So uh, very, very good episode. If you want to check it out, uh, it really opened my eyes to the beginnings of this movement. So little plug there, not that I'm sponsored or anything. But. <laughs> Maybe we can make that happen, right? <laughs> you can go on Shark Tank with your next great idea and say, uh, hey, Mark, awesome. I heard you, you know, with this uh, avenue. We talk about AI and we talk about how, you know, you mentioned, you know, Google's version. We talked about ChatGPT, but we're talking, you know, in our last episode with Will Jackson, CEO of Moat, and how he's bringing uh, the Conquer, uh, dot AI is coming out. Uh, what's the other one I wanted to mention was um, Otter.ai, which is now... 
you allow it into your Google Meet or your Zoom, and it will record your meeting and summarize it for you automatically. Dan and I were messing with it the other day, and it literally captures your text, and then it gives you a summary, so you don't even have to take notes anymore. It's only going to evolve, like you guys were saying, by June, we don't know where we're going to be. September, who knows? Like, November Nicegate, it's going to be mind-blowing to see how much this has evolved and how education has to change with it. And, you know, we always go back and we say this often. We want students to be, you know, creators, not consumers. And we always say, you know, the quote that John's famous for is because it's the way we've always done it. That's not where we're going. We have to pivot. I feel like every time we talk to John, we're talking about <laughs> pivoting. Pivot, right? You know? Uh, everybody, if you don't know what we're the reference we're talking to, you got to see that episode of Friends with a couch. That's right. <laughs> All right? You know, even, uh, you know, furniture stores are now putting it on billboards, right, off 17. But I think, what is next? How do we provide the avenues for teachers to learn about it on how to harness the power to make education better? Well, I mean, we look at AI. I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a paradigm shift for, for a lot of different reasons. You have like what, what everyone's most familiar with now with ChatGPT, um, but also things like Dolly with the image generators mm -hmm, yep. and now that image generator in Canva, which I think is awesome. Um, it really, I think for a lot of ways, instructionally, I think it allows for more time for deeper um, thinking and deeper investigations because we are not going to be or we can find a way where we're not going to be burdened by constantly driving content um, and fostering creativity, collaboration, but also a lot of metacognition and reflection in the classroom. I think it'll allow us to really focus on student process for differentiated learning um, and provide those avenues where we can be that facilitator of instruction. So it's about understanding it, about looking at it, about grasping at realities and really shifting the paradigm of our classrooms to really be more student-centered. Um, so there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity with it, but there's also, as we're talking about, there's a lot of things that could be negative as well. So it's definitely going to be a paradigm shift. You know, I look at the things like the image generators. So much time our students are producing content, whether it be for a slide deck or, or some way, and you watch them just delve into the rabbit hole of Google searching images. Forever. Forever, forever. <laughs> And really what they're doing is trying to find an image that fits to to help someone understand what they're doing. So now being able to create those images, that further understanding, that's great for students, that's great for teachers. So I think we look at those opportunities and how we can roll with them and envelop that into our instructional design. Well, I want to go deep into some of the, the writing and the, the prompt you talked about in, in the classroom. But for a second, if we can just take a, a quick right-hand turn off into the artwork, since you talked about some of the yeah. image generators. You know, the art community has a huge concern about AI-generated mm -hmm. art. And certainly, we've all played with some of the apps that make us like look like cartoon characters and stuff. If you upload your, your pictures and stuff to their platforms and get this cool art. But um, I, I think we're going to start to see a trend, too, where we start, start to change societal values for what we're really into. I mean, I listen, I'm a big, you know, superhero movie fan and stuff. I'll go watch a Marvel flick if it's out, whatever. But, you know, AI might create, like, the next Marvel story that has the same sort of plot line, same mm. sort of sequence. But what's happening, you know, for those great film festivals and stuff? Like, people are going to be tuning into more of that niche world in terms of that marketplace. And I think we're already starting to see that with students, with young people generally, not even students, but... Have you guys seen that um, the, the new obsession with like 20-year-old digital cameras 
Like, mm. people are, are posting now. It's, like, a thing to find a, their parents' old digital cameras with, like, S, old SD cards that carry, like, a couple, you know, kilobytes of storage right, space right. or whatever. And they're using that. It's, like, an, a, a TikTok and Instagram trend right now with Gen Z of trying to, like, go back to the old tech and sort of re, re, recapture that and not have these cell phones and be connected on online all the time. So, I mean, they're still posting it to social media, right? They're <laughs> right. finding a way to get it online. <laughs> but literally, they're taking the steps, like, upload it to their parent to their computer and, like, with a hard wire and, you know, going out and posting that way. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and then people are, you know, even the, the sake of the, the new popular app of be real. I'm not on it. You guys on it? No, uh, we're old. Yeah, but, we are old. Um, <laughs> there you go. But be real is this idea where you take a, you take a picture and send it to somebody else of where you are in that moment, in oh, that okay, time. Yeah. So there's no filter. There's no, mm. you know, doctoring it up that you're not putting it through anything else. So if your hair is not done, your makeup's not done. Like, you know, you're, in your pajamas or whatever, like it's just real pictures Be real. sharing with your friends. And so there's a trend back to some of that, which I think is really encouraging. And I think it's good to set the tone for some of that here too, because it is a little bit scary to think about art, not art shouting, <laughs> <laughs> but artwork being created that is, you know, done by a computer generated and losing that creative touch. Same with writing. That's what we're concerned about, right? With the chat GPT is that we're going to create new levels of writing, new levels of essays, mm -hmm. reporting, without creativity and authenticity. And I think we're seeing a shift, especially with young people, to authenticity. And I think that's really encouraging because even with, with what ChatGPT gives us, we still can use it to strive towards that authenticity. And right. so to pivot back to the original point here, since I took a tangent for us, is the authenticity is starting to learn to ask better questions. So in our students, if we're going to ChatGPT and asking basic rote questions, they'll give it to us. But mm -hmm. Google could give that to us too. Right, right. You know, always. So if we ask basic questions, um, maybe our assignments have to get better, right? For our students, our assignments have to get better. They have to get more in depth. And then we have to use those tools and say, well, now how do you even use AI to get deeper information, to ask better questions? So you can ask a very rote question or get a really bad essay returned to you. If you want to write an essay on The Great Gatsby and it spits back something to you, you have to start asking the AI. You have to give it better input to mm -hmm. get better output. And so there's skills even learning there in how to use this tool effectively to get right. what you want out of it. So I think there's some interesting tech, tech skills as, as well as creative thinking skills within there. Part of that, though, that what you just said is, you know, with, with the input output is, are teachers going to feel the pressure that they have to teach how to utilize ChatGPT? Because that's a fear I think that many educators have, whether they're elementary all the way up to, you know, post-secondary learning is, do I have to teach my students how to craft these, these better questions for it? And a fear of it is sometimes the students already know more of how to utilize it than the teacher. And how are they going to evolve with that? Because blocking, it's not the, the answer because, you know, it's, we, we want what we want. You know, we want, we want to use it for ourselves, but we don't want our students to use it, right? You know, and then we have, let's be honest, I mean, Elon's also in, involved with ChatGPT, right, and OpenAI. And at one point, it's going to become an equity issue because we know it's not going to be free forever. Yeah. So at that point is it's the haves versus the have nots and who can utilize it and where's the value. I value this because I'm using it for this purpose. I, you know, I don't want it to be like a, a cheater thing. That's what people are really just saying. Oh, it's going to make the, it's going to change the English essay, right? They said is dead. It's going to, it's just changing it and everybody's going to cheat. I don't see it as that because it is a bot and you can see the language as a bot. And as we start to develop PD for, for teachers on, okay, how do you recognize, you know, something 
there's little things, but it's more of you. How do you utilize it for instruction? How do you get your students to have the mindset of uh, of getting, uh, you know, better assignments from them? And the the teacher is actually crafting, like you said, deeper, you know, deeper dive questions. Well, I think the longer we ignore it, the more it's going to be used for cheating, right? Mm-hmm. Because then the kids are just going to go off. They're going to do whatever they need to do, um, and it'll continue to plague our instruction. If we have open dialogue, students, teachers, teachers, administrators, administrators, everybody, and have those sit downs and kind of, you know, we do think tanks here, you know, kind of brainstorm and say, how can we use this? Obviously we're seeing on social media where people are saying, Hey, this here's 10 ways that you can use it within the classroom. Start having that dialogue, figuring out where it fits in. You know, it's like anything else with tech, just because we have it doesn't mean we need to use it. It has its place in understanding right. and knowing what's its role. Like, how do we figure this out? How can we use this to assist us with what we're doing? And I think if we have that conversation, have it up front, we'll deal with less of the issues down the line. Like we like we did with social media once upon a time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Andrew, you pose a question of, do teachers need to learn it? Well, we're still having people ask that question, do I need to learn the Google workspace? Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. we, that's <laughs> or been, Twitter. We're like a 10 year anniversary of the Google workspace in schools. Yeah. Like, and people are going, I don't know. I really like the old way. <laughs> right. how, how many conversations we had where teachers like, well, I don't really like using computers in my classroom. Right. I didn't grow up that way. Neither did Bill Gates and Steve jobs, by the way. Um, they built the world. Um, so I, I have some, some thoughts on your, on how to implement this in a really easy way. Okay. And the, and the first thing is, you got to focus on process. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Right? If we're talking about either doing research or writing a paper or finding answers the, the for a science class or whatever it might be, you need to focus on process. And, you know, if we're collecting steps along the way of student work and student thought, then you're not just plugging something into a robot and getting it back. Right. And we talked about that before we went on the air. We talked about checking the, the version history in a Google Doc. You know, if all of the text came in at once, you clearly know they copied it from somewhere and pasted it. Look at the version history and look at their workflow. Yep. Um, so that that's number one, focus on process. Um, the second one, I think, is, is simple, and it goes back to sort of a pre-pandemic thought. I mean, uh, I don't know how much push there's been on this, but sort of in the 2019, 2018 world, there was a lot of talk on flipped learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so why don't we get those lectures and those the, the information provided to them, to students at home and do some of the writing and the, the production level work, the projects and the work in class, you know, and it might still be on the computer because it's certainly digital is great for editing and, and collaborating and things right. like that. Could be could be tactile. Give them give them the old blue books back, the old essay books from college. Um Art's not even old enough to remember those, though. No, I, uh, <laughs> I am. I just, I I just am. Face. I'm old Hands older than Art. That's why. Listen, I, I just had some uh, PTSD deja vu blue books. That was scary. Yeah, but but give them something in person, right? So we, I, I don't know if this fad's gone away or not, right? Maybe you guys can weigh in. Have we seen a lot of flip learning happening? No, I think, you know, you bring up a good point is, pre-pandemic that was the big buzzword let's say right let's right. flip let's flip our classrooms let's you know or a blended environment right mm-hmm. and the pandemic happened and now we've kind of shifted where it's it's not even a talk it's not even in in discussion anymore yeah but that is the way to actually have the writing done in class with your your direct instruction your lecture component filmed whichever at home as their homework well you know i it goes i mean i know i'm kind of went one direction we're going to bring it back and we talk and you know i talked about process john talked about process 
And, you know, we look at it and we look at with, with the AI and everything is we really have to think about, you know, when we're doing and teaching a process that information literacy is essential mm-hmm. to it as well. So if you're teaching a process and your only outcome of evaluating that process is what the students are turning in at the end. Right. Um, that's going to be something where chat GPT and AI is going to make a significant impact of it because you're basically, you're, you're basically putting all your eggs in one basket and saying, I'm going to assess the student understanding by what they turn in at the end. Nothing formative, nothing formative. So if you look at building in those formative assessments, you look at evaluating, discussing, reflecting on a process then you're really going to be able to gauge students. And then when that final outcome is turned in, I think you'll either see clearly um, whether the student has used AI or has put their own process into it, whether they've taken the AI and put their process into it to create something that is more original to the student. So I think about, you know, we talk about this as a disruptor. I think it really is a disruptor in regard of how are we assessing and growing and building a process? Because, you know, the AI, I mean, what, what is so fascinating about it is just the human aspect, that natural language processing of it. I mean, essentially, it's pulling what you would pull in a Google search. Correct. But adding natural language to it. So, you know, teaching students the process of that, because that's what we're doing in general anyway, is being able to gain Get, get information and find your voice and detail it in a way that we can relate it to others. The, the problem comes up that it will start learning your voice too. True. And so as you yeah. start to give it feedback on your account, it will start to also adapt to your voice. So that is slightly different than the Google search, of course. But I know, listen, Dan and Andrew are normally the hosts of this show, but, <laughs> but I have a question for all of you guys. Yeah, host it up. If you had chat GPT at your disposal when you were in high school or college, would you use it? To cheat on on an assignment, <laughs> real talk. I, 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 I'll jump in there because I've discussed. We've I've had this discussion many times since this has come out. My biggest issue when I used to write my essays was my introduction. I knew my content. I had my research. I always struggled to get started, and I'm I was not one of those revisionists. You know, they always told you, "Okay, write your first drafts." You know, this is back right. when we had paper. Yes, and then eventually computer paper still exists. I, but I'm saying we wrote our essays on paper. Oh, okay, um, all the loose time, leaf, loose okay. leaf, loose leaf, in a trapper keeper. I wasn't one of those ones. Even when the computer came, like I started using the computer. Like when the computer came out, man, I'm I'm only 43 here, folks. Um, <laughs> I was not the one that did all kinds of revisions and rough drafts and stuff like that. Like I sat down, I'd go from start to finish and write my entire essay one shot and be done. My biggest area I struggled was my introduction. Yes, I would have gone to ChatGPT and said, write me an introduction on blah, blah, blah to at least get me started. Kick you off. That's your, your, your launching point. I need, I need that yeah. launch. Once I could launch into it, I could hyper-focus, and I was you know clear sailing till the end. Well, and of course, you mentioned a research paper. You know, ChatGPT is not giving you references either, at least not yet. Oh, you it, can ask for citations. You can ask for citations. It'll give it to okay. you. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's try news, that out. That's news to me. I got some other things to try too. But, Dan, would you take? Would you use it? You know, it, it's what I want to say is probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I, but like, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about, it, and I'm thinking about. You know, I'm not going to paint myself like. There's always been cheating. Have I found sure. ways in the past to maybe not be as? I don't want to say cheating, but find opportunities for me to. And I, I would honestly say. I would use it, but I would use it to varying degrees, 
probably depending on what the expectation was and also my engagement in the topic as well. Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors. Like, would I say, oh, I would go in and turn every paper in with ChatGPT? Oh, no. Probably not. One, because I know I'd probably be caught. Um, or I would do it if I knew there was no way I was going to be caught. Or I heard, I, or if I really found no value in it. Right. My favorite comment for um, student work where I thought it was you know different, they were maybe getting help or cheating at home and their working class was subpar compared to that, I would write on assignments, I look forward to the day where an in-class work reflects the work of your out-of-class work. You know, <laughs> but that, but just Dan, a sort of <laughs> passive-aggressive, I think you're cheating, but I'm not sure. sure. Comment. But Dan brings up a good point, too. Like, just because ChatGPT just arrived doesn't mean kids weren't cheating, like, prior right. to. Like, it just got a little easier because I've been in this field now for over 20 years. Kids used to just go to Wikipedia, copy, paste, boom, let's move on. You know, they go to Google, copy, paste, move on. Like, this is nothing new. Right. This is the reason why we have originality reports with Google. This is why we had Turnitin. Like, this is nothing new in education. This is nothing new with humans in general. We try to find the easier way around things. We've right. always done it. I know in a certain Austro-German class back in college, Every single book that you got from the bookstore had all the test answers already pasted in because <laughs> yeah. the professor allowed open book tests. The kids took all the answers, shrunk them down, glued them into the books. It was all there. Well, you mentioned a couple of interesting points because, you know, turnitin.com, a lot of money for that. Even the Google Workspace for the originality reports, a lot of money for that as well. Most districts, if you're on the Google Workplace, probably have that at this point. But I would argue that, um, you know, there's going to be something that comes out that helps teachers in, in terms of addressing AI generated text. And they're already working through that. They were talking about maybe putting, um, if you were to copy and paste out of these platforms, potentially having a watermark that comes along with it somehow, a digital record that is copied and pasted. And at that point, what you'll end up with is probably students rewriting the whole draft right, and exactly. putting it in their own words anyway. Right. You know, and so there is, there, this is brand new. There's going to be some sort of, um, sort of pendulum shift back to sort of help protect some of that stuff. But I think Dan brought up an interesting point for me. And when I asked the question, I mean, I'm going to skip over Andrew because he just said, yes, I would use it. I would absolutely use it to cheat. Basically, well, what he just but I think <laughs> you can skip over me all you want. Take over the hosting duties. My big thing is it, it's the level of engagement. Am I engaged right. in the content? Am I engaged with the, the course? If I'm engaged, I'll be able to have that knowledge and I'll be able to write my own paper. It's an if I'm anchor. tuning out, yeah. uh, I could care less. All right, let me just get started. Let me refine this, you know, and go from there. I don't think anybody would not use it. You know, so it's about it's writing efficient. better, having better assignments and engagement Correct. with kids and creating classes that kids want to be in and they want to perform well for. You know, yep. at some point in line, I, we, some of us have younger kids around here and, you know, we talk about as parents, you know, I look in and I wonder like when my kids are going to stop loving school mm -hmm. yeah. and and some of that shift has happened already for my sixth grader and that's that's not a knock on anyone in any place right now but there's something that changes in kids and uh or in schools you know and and my daughter was so upset that we had a snow day yesterday she's in third grade and she just wanted to be at school she actually wanted to work on her coding project and tech class which is very cool to think that's about cool. that uh, is awesome. the, around this table here but um something changes and at some point and i've taught um secondary i've worked in elementary but um, there's a, a point that changes where kids want to please the teacher too, right? And so that has to change from kids pleasing the teacher when they're younger to kids wanting to be in class when they're older. And there's not much about current high schools that kids want to be at the way they're currently designed. So if we have to think about design thinking, that's yep. a big big yeah. thing for Dan and, and, and the, this group too, but th in general. But thinking about how we think about our classes has to start changing with the tools that we it's have. It's a big shift with that paradigm. 
and yeah. the mindset. You know, I mean, we talked about PBL, you know, that's just going through that process where you'd be able to assess things that may, maybe they did use AI as a resource. PBL is another way, but how do we shift that whole paradigm? Mm-hmm. Because it, not everything can be direct instruction. Do we go back to flip learning or blended learning environments? Like, where do we go from here? And like Art had mentioned, kind of get ahead of it, yeah. right? I don't know if we can get ahead of it because it's, you know, the, the CEO of Moat, Will, last week said, buckle up and get get ready for the ride. Yeah. That's literally what he said, you know, and how quickly it's going to be moving. And we said, who knows what it'll be like in March, November, September of next year. We don't know. So I, I think a practical thing that we can think about is we need to find some trusted sources that we can use to sort of get our feet grounded. Because I look at uh, when we talk about digital citizenship in in schools, I look at um, a website, commonsense.org. Yep, yep. And they have a great portal. One of the things I love about them for their um, their parent engagement, and I use this for myself as well as I can encourage teachers to look at it, is that they'll give you like a, a, a quick fact page you know, uh, of what do you need to know about TikTok? What do you need to know about Snapchat? Like the parents don't need, and teachers don't need to download all these apps to play no. with them and learn them. But what we need to find and, and generate for teachers is sort of a repository of trusted material to say, this is what this program can do. Here's some things to be wary of. Here's some things to be, you know, excited about and to, and to just put it out there. And I'm not sure where that is yet, but if we can start to find that place, that would be awesome. Um, because again, there's really good things and there's the, the impetus originally that the knee jerk to block and to, and to resist. And I think there's some probable cause for that. Sure. You know, it's not all knee jerk. There's some realities Mm, that will be, um, unfolding that we need to pay attention to. Um, I want to circle back though, to the, the one I mentioned, I had some ideas how to use this platform. Yep. How about this one? We talk about kids using it to cheat. What about using it to get their own feedback? Yeah. What if kids were to post their or teachers were to, were to take a student's work and post it into chat GPT and ask for feedback? It'll talk about sentence structure. It'll give you grammatical syntax, feedback, yeah. syntax. It'll give, it'll help you. Imagine how quickly a teacher could use that. If you plug all your students' essays into chat GPT and ask for feedback, you could rip through 30 essays, 120 essays, whatever your course load is really quickly with some pretty decent feedback um, for some structure, grammatical stuff that would take you probably a week to get through for a class. That's awesome. Efficient and effective right there. Right. Here's another one. Um, maybe we could take a look at using better translations, right? We, we talk about translation tools like Google Translate. And here's another way to cheat, right? Every world language <laughs> teacher yeah. knows they hate Google Translate. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they've come, they've come tuned to it, right? Yeah, Google, world language groups. teachers understand what they can tell when kids are using Google Translate, right? So uh, and anyone who's paying attention anyway. But for an English language learner, plugging stuff in there and not only plugging it in for a translation, but also the leveling. Right. You can tell chat GPT to level a text for them. Right. So it's possible that an English language learner, you know, isn't at a high school level of reading in English yet. And they need to level down to an eighth grade level because that's their English comprehension level at this time. And they're working towards that. So if you not only translate, but level, that's a really practical use for this tool that Google Translate is not going to do. So you have a lot of different ways to sort of look at these things in there. And on a teacher side of things, you might need to start asking some not just better questions, but maybe some trick questions. Ask some questions that are nonsense, you know, and see what happens. So a student is going to realize that's nonsense. You know, if you ask what, you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt had to do with the housing crisis in 2023. Yeah. Like there's going to be nothing that they they can answer, but the students are going to call bogus on that and and they're going to be able to respond in a different way. So uh, just a couple ideas there to share. No, I appreciate those ideas. And I look at terms of being efficient in terms of a teacher. There's a lot to be gained by using AI, you know, especially, you know, ChatGPT and those that you've referenced. But there's also, what is it, TeacherBot? That just yes, came out. lesson plans. Lesson it gives plan. you five free or something. Did and you then, see that? Yeah, well, uh, you can write a lesson plan in ChatGPT too. Yeah, you, you can. can. You can and ask you it to write a lesson plan. And so 
you know, and also looking at Conquer as we did that, but ways that, that educators can harness the AI, um, which makes me think too, that is very exciting. And I think a lot of teachers will be very excited about that. Um, but then when they look at their students using it, it might not be with as much joy. And I think that goes kind of, a, and I'm just going off the rails over here, but there's kind of something like, well, you have that mindset of like, well, I've learned this. I know the process. I know this. I can take it. I can recognize it for what it is and then apply my knowledge base to it mm. in order to enhance it and make it meaningful. So should we not remember that with the students that we're dealing with as well? Talking about teaching process and skills, mm. metacognition, reflective practitioner, allowing students to to go and demonstrate understanding that's beyond just the written word yep. or the written word in a new way that really harnesses on the student thinking and understanding and a performance assessment. So I think where teachers can find the value, should we be taking that value away or not exposing that value to the students that we teach? And there's a little bit of a paradox here where we don't want students to plug in and get something out of chat GPT, but some of our teachers are quick to go to teachers pay, pay teachers, teachers and grab something <laughs> And use it. So we're talking about process somewhere. Are they going through the same process? Are we modeling that for our students right. as we hand out assignments as well? I think that's one of the bigger issues is uh, are, are we as educators also being active learners as well? Or are, have we considered ourselves done with learning and now we're moved on and we're just presenters of material? But we need to be active learners and model that for our students as well. Even with the – we saw with New York City last week, week before, when they banned chat GPT mm-hmm. – you read the article, they banned it only for the students. So they were still granting staff members access to it. So it was, hey, do as I say, not as I do, because the staff could still continue to use it for whatever they were discovering, but not letting the students. So rather than having that conversation and coming to common ground, it was, no, you can't do it. But, you know, the teachers were on a different side of that as well. Yeah, and since the four of us work in New York State, it's important to um, address for our uh, national listeners as well, global, that um, we do need to be concerned with the privacy issues. Mm-hmm, right. um, so ChatGPT, just as a disclaimer, does require a login. Yep. So if we're going to ask kids to use it, then we're risking an EdLaw2D um, compliance issue with uh, telling kids to use it versus allowing kids, you know, if they do it on their own time kind of thing, or modeling as a class and, you know, being aware of those issues. We just have to be careful about privacy issues and what they're doing because they do want to collect our data. And Absolutely. That's, very, that's that's their bread and butter right now until they start charging money that's that they're collecting that data and data's currency in this world. So just I be careful. I don't think they are going to sign off on any Ed Law 2D agreements. That's no. just a hunch right now, you <laughs> know? Well, with an open AI, I mean, who do you go to? Like, Well, that's it, right? Yeah, let me let me just tweet at Elon. We'll be right back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. What are the teacher prep programs thinking about this? Dan, I know you've had a lot of conversations, but you've mm-hmm. kind of kept it, you know, under the lid, but... How are they going to address it? Are they preparing the students that are coming out to be teachers for utilizing in the classroom or saying, no, no, no? Is it their own bias that they're passing on to to the new teachers? Or is it open-ended and saying, hey, this is how we can utilize it? That's a good question. I don't have an answer. (laughs) All right. I'm just being honest. Yeah. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, so peripherally, you know, my um, involvement with teacher prep programs goes back a number of years and I've always taught in the education space with technology integration. So I've always been the, the how forefront. Do we, how do we have mm-hmm. to utilize it? So, you know, I can just say from my point of view and, and, and things is you have to really think critically and look at 
designing instructional experience based on sound pedagogical practices and then utilizing the tools that will help best learners get there. So, you know, I, are they blocking it though? Or we don't know. No, yet? I they're mean, not blocking. Well, something at, at a secondary, like how can you block it? Well, that's it's, what I'm saying. Right. right. You, yeah. This is, but you know, um, there, there's things that are being put into syllabus now about, you know, right. Not, not accepting work generated from artificial intelligence. There's been a lot of chatter about, you know, those anti AI, like that college student just, came out with you know oh yeah run it chat gpt zero chat gpt zero so there's the conversations but again it's hitting everyone i think the same way no one knows how to deal with it right now you know as i've had some student teachers come through the years and certainly some younger teachers come out of of the pipeline that that i've been working with and i think for the most part when we look at teacher prep programs you know it's preparation but a lot of us walk into education if we reflect back to our first years of what we remember from Mm -hmm. our own schooling so we're we're going into it actually with older models right we we saw what was modeled in our k-12 experience in our undergrad experience and oftentimes that hasn't been that's not very innovative or formative what we might remember are the great lessons or the project-based learning or the relationships that we had but when you look at the actual instruction that we had it probably wasn't that great no offense, Union High School, Union, New Jersey, my alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, and it's just what we are, we just re- kind of repeat what we've experienced, mm-hmm. right? And so it's going to take those teachers who have five, six, ten years under their belt to start to innovate and start to think differently about things. But, and those first few years are difficult. It's a level right. of comfort that's mm-hmm. going to have to be on, um, under, under their feet to get started too. And that's still changed too with COVID and pandemic and all that. So I think we're going to see sort of the mid- mid-level veteran teachers start to take a look at this quicker than, than the first year. Right, because they got a lot going on. Let's yeah. be honest. You know, it's a lot coming into education now. You know, this is and just and another managing thing. it all. It, it is. is. You yeah. know, it's just dealing with it and looking at it, and that's such rapid advancement of technology and the way everything is going. Is I mean, we're we're already behind the eight ball. At least in my opinion, with the way our schools are structured, set up, expectations. Um, we're still on that 19th century factory model of moving kids through mm-hmm. something, um, which I don't think is really reflective of the society that we have grown into. Right. So I, I know like, you know, a lot of kids don't experience real learning or really find a passion or find something that they're totally invested in until after their schooling career after, right. you know, so maybe we need to, maybe this is something that will be a disruptor to have conversations about our educational system in general. I mean, here, here it's we are. level. It's 2023. Some people still talk about 21st century learning, but we still do the lecture research, write, Repeat model mm-hmm. over and over again. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some teachers out there doing some awesome stuff. Um, we do see it every single day, but there are still those that lecture research, write repeat and, and it's, it's boring <laughs> as a former social studies teacher that's boring well that's that engagement level and yeah that's the thing too is like you find you have finding those points of engagement and allowing students to be able to run with points of engagement um and then be able to support them it, it's a heavy lift for for teachers in the in the dynamic that we're teaching in now i've got 42 minutes i've got a diverse right. group of learners um, I have a regents exam that I have to prepare students for at the end of the year. I have a lot of accountability checks and drills to run drill, uh, you know, all the, all the nonsense. Wait, wait, and then pull to, in, pull out. Right. And I then, mean, you know, looking at, well, at this point, am I really reaching all of my learners to the best that I can? And it's difficult, yeah. especially in the environment that we're in. And when technology 
um, really is advancing, you know, it, it becomes harder and harder for that to, for that to happen. Right. So the computer revolution, you know, and when when Art and I were on AOL Instant Messenger, you know, updating our away messages and stuff back in the day, and we slammed slam the door on you when you left. Oh, yeah, you guys too. I know, same thing. We're all about the same age here, but when you look at it and you go, um, you know, the, the computer revolution, the PC revolution was supposed to save us all time. And, and I'm a big proponent of that. I think our workflows can change a lot, right? We Google Forms instead mm-hmm. of getting paper from offices, that kind of stuff, right? All of it can save us time if it's done well. Google calendars, right? The whole thing, yeah. if we do it well. And again, I think the same thing right here presents itself. AI presents itself as a way that can help us be a time saver in a lot of ways and and can be and can drive that efficiency. So maybe we have those more efficient mm-hmm. classes where we can then spend more time with kids giving authentic right. feedback or giving better lessons or being more interactive. And so... Maybe that's the revolution that we need to have. I, you know, the I'm AI hoping. can be an efficiency revolution for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think where it really comes down to is the relationship you establish with your students mm-hmm. and your rapport. That's really where the heart of everything is with teaching. Like we, I think we talked about, you know, previously is you're in it to teach kids and you're in it to, you know, to share your knowledge about something and nurture that environment to get them through to have a love of learning like we were talking about and move them through. The end goal is to have a great experience. We don't know what careers we're even preparing the youngest learners for now. Mm-hmm. You know, Google has said that. And with AI, who knows? Like that freelance writer, $600, you know, in 30 seconds, he goes, my job could be gone. And yeah. we don't know what's going to happen with corporate America in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. I don't want to say over the next, you know, few months because – It'll be the next few tomorrow. weeks. But the thing <laughs> to tomorrow. But by the time we hit uh, end on this podcast, something new, yeah, will, something oh, yeah. new. will be out. But something's tweeted. Already. You know, the one thing that I look at, you know, which it's going to be an ever-growing conversation, but, you know, it, it could be at the forefront of maybe, like, creating a new digital divide mm-hmm. amongst people. Um, yeah. You know, whether it goes behind a paywall or those that know how to use AI effectively right. and those who do not know how to use AI effectively. Or those who are aware of when AI is being used, too. True. Right. And we right. all, listen, we all love AI, right? When Netflix Netflix tells us what to watch next. Oh, yeah. I love it. Or Amazon tells us what we also might like to buy. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, okay, click. We click through. We mm-hmm. love that. I'll have it tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, we, we've we've already adopted it. We've already l- learned to live with it, and we love it. And um, we're just not aware of it until now. because mm-hmm. now Especially it, in education, right? Right, because now it's a little scary. So, you know, it's... If Siri in your home or or Alexa is is listening and, As it just tra- and went off. knowing your information, <laughs> yeah. okay, Google, <laughs> yeah, then, then then we were already living in this world anyway. This is an exponential growth, an exponential leap here, but you know it's something we've already started to adapt. But we, are we aware of it? And that's mm-hmm. going to be the other concern. It was a concern with social media, fake news, with all that kind of stuff. Are we literate to what's happening? And so maybe it's a new literacy we need to adopt too. This was heavy. Well, it, I started off with some with some promise, right? <laughs> this idea of the Be Real app or yeah. the people going to back to cameras. And the other one that's really interesting, too, is that New York State uh, legislature just passed a right to repair law. Did you guys see this? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like, the you computer know, your parts or whatever, right, your computer parts. So instead of your iPhone being a brick because you can't actually physically repair it or it recognizes, you know, uh, third party, pro, you know, devices right. inside. Um, so it's not going to take the update or whatever and becomes a brick. Like now that's a law that has to be complied with. So I think we're starting to see a shift back to what people want and it's authenticity. Like we're talking about in classrooms, it's authenticity in real life. I don't think we're going to be happy with the robot world that we create. 
you know, with AI. I don't think it's going to be something people want to adopt. Um, and so I think there'll be a little bit of pushback with that in, in terms of the, the global scale, the societal issues uh, at school. It'll be interesting to see how we manipulate and play with it. Um, but I think it's encouraging to think about what people are actually asking for. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Blockbuster to make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, think about it. Like, talking about that with a world of streaming music, Spotify, SiriusXM, YouTube, whatever. Vinyl. Yeah. Vinyl's huge right now. Yeah, go we, get your regular player at Coles. You can literally grab really? any song you want and play it on your phone if you wanted to right now. But there is such a huge market again for vinyl, mm-hmm. for record players. Nostalgia, for, right Nostalgia. There. But it's not even nostalgia because it's your 20-somethings. These kids right. that were born pre-1999. And there's a per, an appreciation for right. the length, the art of an album instead of a shuffle on songs. Sure. Right? How an album works. There's an appreciation for walking to a store talking to people, looking, picking up the physical thing. So, yeah, I think it's a trend. You're right. I think. And Bl- well, Blockbuster, you're listening to us? You, you have a chance. <laughs> is there still one left? <laughs> you know, I, there is one. Ben Ben Norton. Norton. <laughs> but you talk about appreciation and finding value. So they're finding value. You know, we're talking about the conversation with Blockbuster or, or the digital. They're finding value in, in a medium. Mm-hmm. And that medium is the same medium that is just, like, blown out of the water. With AI. It's art. It's this. But they're finding value in a process. Right. And, and I think, the, and, and finding that intrinsic motivation. So I think when we look at this in the classroom, maybe we shouldn't be as fearful of it if we allow students to understand process and find value. Yeah. And listen, not that that's easy. We're right. It's not easy. Right. We're right in the middle of uh, whatever, you know, January Regents week here in New York state. Right. And so maybe that maybe we start, I hope the board of Regents is listening. Maybe we look in (laughs) and see what our testing protocols look like too. We're still asking rote questions and multiple choice feedback. You know, I know the state, again, pre-pandemic started to look at portfolio-based assessment mm-hmm. and authentic learning and uh, authentic assessment. Maybe we need to start moving in those directions. And then Chad GPT starts to be less of an issue because then it provi- it's a content provider for us to help generate right. creativity. Right. And it's not the end-all be-all. So as you think about process, I think that's another source of hope as well. It's a paradigm shift that it will take some time. Yeah. But Chad GPT and all AI will be moving at light speed. Right. All right. Anybody? Final thoughts? No, I'm just, I, no, I'm <laughs> no, we were talking about changing educational process, and I'm just looking forward to this meeting I have coming up with uh, <laughs> after after this meeting or this podcast today, talking about changing things in technology education and business education. Yeah, yeah, it's huge shift with the times. Yeah, we've got some great opportunities coming down our pike right now. You guys mentioned a uh, a platform for summarizing your Google Meet. Mm-hmm. So Otter. it's like. Otter. So it's like AI. O T T E R. Can we get this for this podcast? So get cliff notes of this. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. Let's be Probably honest. Could. You know, I'm sure I could just spit it in the chat. GPT yeah, says, right. summarize this. It'll give me a summary. I'll no, show get, you the doc. It's the end. So people have already listened long enough. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> don't have to worry about your show notes. Then. <laughs> yeah. Show notes. There you go. Make the do show notes. Dan, any other thoughts? Um, should I thank chat GPT for providing the content for this? <laughs> but, uh, no. You could. Uh, <laughs> um, just... You know, I, I, it is, you know, in terms of my final thought, dynamics of the classroom is, is it is a bit overwhelming and scary yeah. and looking at this, but I just, I, I, I don't want to dwell on that. I just want to look at possibilities and opportunities. So if yeah. we look at possibilities and opportunities, um, I think things sort itself out. I think it's a great point. You're definitely, we're definitely all here sympathetic towards teachers who are scared about what this looks like in their classroom. And so that's, we have talked about possibilities, but I think you're right to be sympathetic towards them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's what's going to come down to is we feel your, what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And now it's a matter of seeing how do we, how do we shift that? 
and and kind of help you know alleviate those fears in the classroom. So uh, to be continued, I'm sure we will have a a future episode as well on Chat GPT. Thank you again for listening on all the platforms. We appreciate your support, John. Where can they find you online? Find me at John Redeker, J O N R E D E K E R at Twitter. There you go. Art, what about you? It's at A Shouten. It's A-S-C-H-O-U-T-1-0. All right, so next time, we'll talk to you soon. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.